0: the echo chamber brought to you by the homes reports and produced by the international broadcast specialist marketeers sponsored by the bullet group putting you in tomorrow's conversations today
1: Welcome to the Echo Chamber. I am Diana Marzalek. I'm the senior reporter with The Holmes Report. And today we have a visitor in from London via L.A., South Africa, <laughs> India. We have Tony Hollingsworth, who is best known as the producer of global media campaigns. A lot of our listeners may know him best as the man behind events and live campaigns, such as Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday tribute. Um, also, the um, Live in Berlin, which you did to mark the fall of the wall. And you are moving now into the Listen campaign. So we are here to talk about you, about the campaign, and about what goes into events of this size, and movements, rather, of this size, and the communications challenges that go. with Welcome.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for having me. That's a very kind introduction. Yes, I produce nine of the world's largest global media campaigns. Almost all of those for causes, and, and two of those nine were for um, demanding the release of Nelson Mandela from prison <clears throat> and rebranding him. The campaign that we ran in the months up to that broadcast global broadcast event, stopped television and radio news reporting him as a black terrorist leader, and they started reporting him as a black leader. So even before we got to the global broadcast event to 600 million people, He was now a black leader. And you can get a black leader out of prison. You can't get a black terrorist leader out of prison. So we constructed a communications campaign for that one that was to take that word terrorist out of the news, relabel him, and then have a global broadcast event, which went, um, we didn't quite expect it to get to this size, but it did, Mm -hmm. uh, to 600 million people in the world, when there were only 5 billion, (laughs) across 100 countries' television channels, and most of them taking it for the full 11 and a half hours involving 83 artists. So that was the biggest at the beginning. Then we did the war live in Berlin. Then we did a second one for Mandela for him to speak to the world and say to the world, please don't confuse my release at the end of apartheid. Keep pushing. Keep pushing until we get to free elections. Keep the sanctions on, etc." And six others. Then I decided to step back and if you do nine of these in 10 years, they're really quite complicated things to sew together around the world. All the different broadcast partners, media partners, sponsor partners, artists, etc. There's a lot of moving parts. If you do nine in 10 years, you can and should retire for a bit. So I did. Took after (laughs) my kids. Um, Children grow up wonderfully. And um, when they got to their teenage years, they said, Dad, we think you should go back to work. You're boring. It was time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: and for a good cause right for for whatever the cause uh, and for your own family
0: (laughs) and during all of that time what i'd been thinking quietly is um i had been thinking very sort of quietly but very sort of deeply about could we create an annual and global media campaign for the world's most vulnerable and disadvantaged children
1: well, that struck me. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the Listen campaign um, since that's your latest and soon-to-launch launch campaign. Um, the fact that it is annual is something that um, did pique my interest in particular, but we'll come back to that. If you could describe first what the Listen campaign is, I'd appreciate that.
0: Okay. So the Listen campaign is a campaign that will involve creative artists in the creative industries and media to help the world's most vulnerable disadvantaged children, there are a billion children and people under the age of nineteen that are severely disadvantaged or vulnerable, or both. They have problems with they have problems with finance, they have problems with education, they have problems with health, they have problems with water, they have problems with shelter, they have problems with trafficking, being refugees, being migrants, with mental health, drugs. It goes on and on, and it's into that general area that our communications and our grants will have their impact but the way that we're communicating is quite down to earth it isn't leaving the public with those sort of big statements such as 700 million children suffer from multi-dimensional poverty it's absolutely true but it's really hard to emote around (laughs) 700 million children so how do you bring that to real sort of to real life and the way that we're doing it is that we're making short films, that this big campaign, a campaign that involves film stars and musicians and visual and writers, this big campaign carries these little stories. And these little stories are stories in which a child tells, is talking to a star, the star is there to listen, the listen campaign. Mm -hmm. But the child tells the story of the problems they have had or have And the child takes the star to a project that is helping them through all of that. And the child tells the star how they're being helped. Only insofar as the star is unable to make that story complete, Mm -hmm. i.e. ask the right questions, (laughs) <laughs> not tell the story. It's not the the child, job, you have the to let like the child tells uh, this, the story. It's exactly. The child is telling the story. It's very impactful. It's very powerful. But the star is there to listen. star is there to draw out this story only insofar as they can't get the child to complete the story. An eight-year-old may not be able to complete the story. <clears throat> is the star then allowed to talk to the people running the project, the carers, and get them to complete the story? But it's only to complete. And then we take those... Those stories, we edit them down into something quite powerful and then give them a contextual wrap. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if I give you an example, Aisha is a 12-year-old girl. She's been orphaned by age. She lives in South Africa. She's bringing up her younger brother and sister. She's 12, bringing up a younger brother and sister. They still live in the little shack their parents brought them up in but their both parents have died she will talk to a film star and tell her story the star will just listen the star she'll then take the star to the project that's helping her through all of that we'll make that into a very condensed film shows the problem and shows the solution it's really important and then we'll put that into context by saying Aisha is one of 8.4 million children in the world orphaned or severely impacted by AIDS of which only 5% are getting any help so what we're about is showing these stories so telling these stories or rather letting children tell these stories which show and illustrate these big problems 700 million live in multidimensional poverty 343 million are being brought up on less than $1.9 per day you know 640 have no education million have no education that illustrate these points with real-life stories of cho- that children are telling, and then we put them in a little contextual bit that shows how little we're doing. So in each of those stories, we'll have seen a problem, mm-hmm. we'll have seen a solution that can be celebrated, the project, mm-hmm. and we'll have seen how little is being done really, because only five percent of, in the, I, Aisha's case, children orphaned by it's getting any help.
1: Right. Well, I watched one this morning, and there's no substitute for. Um, I, I watched the little boy who said he doesn't go to school because he's begging with his his mm. father during the day, and mm. there's no substitute. I, it, it's just so pure. Um, yeah.
0: It's so the pure. The word, the
1: experience. He's just telling it like it is, and that's his life. So there's really no substitution for that. But where?
0: And that's the nitty. So those are the nitty gritty bits of the campaign. But then there are, to make this campaign work, mm-hmm. each year we're involving 160 artists from around the world.
1: Such as? Well, we can't talk yet. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. But fair if enough. I
0: break it down for you, all right? So 20 of them are big stars in India, mm-hmm. 20 are big stars in Latin America, oh. 20 are big stars in Africa, 20 are big stars in the Middle East and North Africa in the first year. So uh, half of all our artists are from the poorest parts of the world.
1: And I'm going to stop you for one second because uh, these artists are different than the stars who are doing the the interviews, correct? Oh, well, we do both. We do. <clears throat> okay, cool.
0: Then we have 80 artists. So 80 of our artists are from the poorer countries of the world mm-hmm. and 80 of our artists are big international names that everyone around the world
1: and these are the people that are dispersed talking to the children
0: and so out of that 80 that everyone knows half of the musicians and they're performing and making wonderful new arrangements of classic songs that go into the live show at at the LA Coliseum at the end of June and then into the broadcast a quarter of them are film stars and those are the ones that are going on location listening to the children Mm. One-eighth of them are novelists, and they're writing short stories about vulnerable and disadvantaged children. Stories, novels, (laughs) Um, only 3,000 words, but nevertheless. Yes. um, Perhaps harder to write because they're only 3,000 words. (laughs) And then visual artists that are creating visual art for the campaign.
1: So are these people sort of the ambassadors, the spokespeople for the campaign? Is this how you're going to be disseminating the story?
0: So So if you think of the film stars, their job is to go on location, Mm -hmm. and we've already filmed with the children, we've already filmed with the projects, all the back-filming is done. But their job is to go out there and make this film complete, actually to use all of their acting and dramatic and film skills to work out, okay, how do I get this question put answered in such a way that it's going to make a very, very powerful film. Um, They are then involved in the celebration of that project so you're seeing a problem, you're seeing a solution, you're celebrating the project. And then when they come back into our sort of main production, mm-hmm. they are then, I am w- not necessarily use the word ambassadors, but they are the one talking about that child and that child's story. But they're not trying to replace the narrative of the child. They're saying, this is what I heard.
1: No, but they are trying to get, I, I imagine one of the communications challenges, that things are so crowded now, is that you need people to tell these stories, and you need people to be able to hear the stories. So my question is, how will people hear the stories? How will they access the stories?
0: Okay, so um, the, the campaign will start on March the 31st next year, and it, it, it runs 52 weeks a year online and on social media, but for the first 13 weeks of each year's campaign, there is a lot happening in traditional media as well as in social media. So we announce, and even in the first week, we have taken two film stars in different directions around the world and they have each listened to three different children, three different problems, three different solutions. So we've generated six films, um, even in that first week. And the next week we do another six, and the next week we do another six. And these go out as news items, they go out as social media items, and when we say news, they're going out um, not just into sort of the morass of it all, they're going out to the news departments of the broadcasters that are coming in to back the campaign as well.
1: So you've already part you've partnered with broadcasters as one of your partners, yeah.
0: correct? So yes. Yeah. So broadcasters, main network television broadcasters still provide the big, reliable audience. <laughs> <laughs> You Even may,
1: in a day of not live TV, it's still...
0: Yeah, well, they're not necessarily watching it live, mm-hmm. but they're still the gateway to a big, big audience. Yes. And, and they usually are also the place in which you find you can run campaigns because they have news and they have magazine shows, et cetera. You know, right. other media doesn't necessarily have that. And uh, so, um, so it's our partners mm-hmm. that are sort of looking for these news items and scheduling them in. You know, like, I'll give you an illustration. Yes, please. Uh, one of our partners in India, mm-hmm. it's called ZTV. No one would have heard of it in America. They'll have okay. heard of our other partner here, which is ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we but, have heard of that. Yeah. But when you look at ZTV, they are a main broadcast broadcaster across many channels to an audience of potentially 1.2 billion people. Um, They're taking everything that we're putting out, 62 two-minute items, 13 five-minute films, 13 24-minute interview programs, a 90-minute feature documentary, and their version of our big fundraising broadcast is eight hours long, and they're doing all of that in Hindi, Tamil, Telugu, and English. That's amazing. <clears throat> because if you, when you start looking at India, you should not really think of it as a country. You should think of it as a continent. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and even and those four languages will will mean that we can we can be understood by about seventy percent of the population.
1: So a, a global campaign like this, how many languages are you working in?
0: So we're putting out our content in eleven languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our partner our media partners in other countries and then putting it out into other languages. So um we'll make the campaign, and it will be made, I mean, for a start, the children may be talking in Swahili or right. they may be talking into Urdu, et cetera. so, so um <clears throat> that is it's the children's changing the what the children are talking about into another language. You have to do that even if you're dealing with the English language. But broadcasters around the world find it very acceptable to chain, to translate a child's story, but they wouldn't find it acceptable to translate a white presenter's story. Interesting. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. but so so, so um, we're, we're putting all of our content out into 11 languages, so online and social media and all of the television content is going into 11 languages. And then broadcasters that aren't operating in those 11 languages, and that gives us an enormous amount of coverage around the world. And language now is more important when you're hitting media and broadcast partners. Language now is more important than territory.
1: Right, because people can stream your content or they can find it wherever they want yeah. to see it. Yeah,
0: because, for instance, ZTV, although they are the the prominent cable and satellite broadcaster across the whole of India... The um, the Indian diaspora in America will probably have a ZTV package on their cable package as well and across in lots of other places. So there's another 200 million people <laughs> that, that are in the Indian diaspora outside of India. These are big figures. <laughs> it's big
1: figures and it, it, it doesn't – certainly it sounds like a campaign, but this sounds like an industry that you're launching. I mean, continue – C- especially well, continuing that, you see this as an ongoing campaign and an annual project.
0: Yeah, so it, well, it, it is a sort of um, it's 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 an industry in the same sense as you might say that NFL or Wimbledon
1: mm-hmm.
0: or FIFA are industries in that sense. I mean, they've created global media platforms that are on multiple traditional and new media. Um, which are supported by corporate partnerships. They're supported by ticketing. They're supported by merchandising, et cetera. And in that sense, we're not inventing a new business model. We're saying, okay, that's, that's, or it's all those commercial incomes that have to fund the campaign. We put the messages out to the public. We ask the public to participate in 19 different ways, some of which are creative, some of which are about socializing the message, etc. Sorry. Only one of which is to give a donation. But if they're giving a donation, they don't give to the media side of it all. They give to the charity side, which is a completely different set of governance. So their money, their donation goes to the charity, and their money, the donation then goes out to the children's charity projects. It does not pay for the campaign. So
1: you have an umbrella charity. Mm. People don't have to go in and choose which charity.
0: Or... No, no, they don't. This is an umbrella charity, and at the beginning of each year's campaign – That charity then announces the projects that will benefit from grants, not the charities, nothing sort of general, (laughs) the projects that will benefit from grants. So it might say um, uh, this project in Bangladesh that so far have a history of producing schools in boats so that they Mm. float when Bangladesh floods and it's flooding more and more because of climate change. Um, we're giving them a grant to produce an extra six of these floating schools. It's that particular. That's uh, So the charity has to um, select all of those projects and give us all of those projects at the beginning of each year's campaign, the first campaign being March the 31st, 2020. And then the charity then has is responsible for monitoring those grants, auditing those grants, and also... Um, assessing the impact that those grants have had on the lives of those children. And all of that information coming from the charity side goes to the media side to report back to all those interested and all those donating.
1: Now I see your goal was to double the coverage, is that it? Double the double the media coverage, the world's media coverage on this issue that on on the most needy children, correct? Yeah.
0: So um Is that doable? Yes. Yeah. It's going to happen, March the thirty-first. <laughs> it's going to happen that day. <laughs> Not quite that day, but but so if I can sort of tell you the problem, we did a lot of research into some very big-brained people who are very experienced people. Did a lot of research into the children's charity sector and came away with four conclusions for us. The first is there are wonderful projects, children's charity projects around the world. There are thousands of them. We don't need to create projects. We need to choose those. We're going to back very carefully because there are thousands that are inefficient and some terrible ones as well. Mm-hmm. But there are thousands of really good ones. So choose carefully, but you don't need to create any. But when they started looking at the field of communications, they found that all charitable or children's charity organizations from the biggest in the world, UNICEF, to the smallest, are all hopelessly subscale, inefficient and ho- the whole sector is hopeless in its ratchet.
1: communications,
0: in their communications,
1: and because they have <coughs> other priorities at this point. I mean, they're strapped for money, right?
0: And so you sort of s- why is so? Why are they? And when I say hopelessly inefficient and, and subscale, even if you were to take the the gorilla gorilla in the room, UNICEF, which is fifty percent government funded and fifty percent d- donations, corporate funding. Um, when you look at its communications and you compare it with Mercedes or you compare it with sure. Apple, it's almost invisible. Yes, Right, it's, you...
1: it's a private sector versus a charity yeah. that's trying to stay afloat and help kids.
0: Yeah, and when you go down to the smaller of those organizations, and right. most of the sector is built with very small organizations, then it's so small it's almost it's almost negligible. And one of the reasons that they're in that position, so if you look at the way they communicate – um, that what they call communications is actually not really ch- communications but often a request for a donation. So if I give you an example, um, I was coming back on a tube train two years ago from a New Year's Eve party, not driving, on the <laughs> tube train. <laughs>
1: Congratulations,
0: <laughs> good. And, and um, there was an advert that caught my attention. Um, this advert said, please Text this number to pay £3 to buy a Syrian refugee child a blanket tonight. Mm. And that was that's absolutely typical of the way a lot of charities work, but particularly children's charities. The reason it had caught my attention is I'd been talking to two agencies in the month beforehand dealing with Syrian refugee children, one in Jordan, one in Lebanon, and they had both told me that for them they plan on this being, on average, a 12-year-long problem.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: It's a problem that starts with severe trauma, perhaps malnutrition, other health problems as they arrive, and they're usually arriving with grandma and maybe auntie. They aren't necessarily, they're not coming in a nice holistic family, dad's probably killed, brother's probably killed, etc. <clears throat> Once you get them settled through that period and they're feeling stable, they're in a tented community, etc., then you're into the long-term problems. You've just built a little town of 30,000 unemployed people. They are dysfunctional families. Mm-hmm. They are traumatized still. And, okay, you try to educate the kids. You try to give them as good a scenario as you can. But other things start hitting in. Trafficking, gangs, drugs, abuse, all of that that you would expect from any town with 100% unemployment yes. you know mm-hmm. it's um, and, and with all this other trauma on top it's even worse so the problem is a long-term problem it's not a short-term problem and they have solutions those two organizations have solutions that I was talking to but that advert told me nothing of any of that in fact it suggested that three pounds for a blanket was useful they had too many blankets at that time so so the sector is unfortunately driven to this sort of communication that gets in donations. And one of the reasons they're driven to that is that the charity sector is judged on how little they spend outside of project work, what the press calls overheads. Now, overheads also has research in it. It also has communications in it. So they cut down all that side as much as they possibly can because if they can keep that to 15% they give them five stars if it goes to 20% it's four stars 25% they're in trouble etc so they restrict all of that communications and they spend money on necessary communications which is to get the donations in but the re- net result of that and that's by their own that's what they say they have to do that's not me making it up that's what they say they have to do but the net effect of that is the world is uninformed of the true nature of the problems mm-hmm. and as seriously uninformed about the fantastic solutions that the children's charity sector has as well. So that's so, why we've come down to making those films in that way. So part here is of a problem your function, here is a solution.
1: I'm sorry. So part of your function is is uh, to act as a communications arm for these entities that don't aren't able to provide their own communications.
0: The whole of the children's charity sector. And so we think that we are we are at least doubling the amount of coverage. We're not talking about the bit that's asking for donations. We're doubling the bit that isn't there, at least, um, which is these films about problems and solutions. What are the problems? What are the solutions?
1: And how, if you're going to be doing this, you're talking about an annual campaign, and I imagine in 2020, I I get it, you're gonna launch, there's gonna be a splash, there's gonna be a big live event, which we haven't spoken about yet, and we will, how do you plan moving forward to either avoid fatigue or cut through all the other noise that's out there to make your point and to keep it going?
0: All right. So um, we've, the media scene has changed. So you know, network television is on a slight decline and things like Netflix are going up. But if you look at the content of Netflix, mm-hmm. it's old-time television. It's drama series, it's documentary series, it's long-form television. Right. <laughs> it's the same thing, if you like. Um, so those, some of those changes are not impacting the nature of content. And what we know is that audiences and broadcasters and sponsors and the world seem to love repeats. The Grammys, the Oscars, the NFL, sure. Wimbledon, etc. They're the same every year in some sense. The players inside them are slightly different.
1: And sometimes not. They have classic channels where you can watch old baseball games. It's like you know who won already, right? So what's the point?
0: Well, without that, you know, but these formats tend to go on. I mean, it's when you, if you look at the sort of history of television, there has always been programs that are like CSI. They may not have quite been sophisticated, but there's always been law and orders types of things or NAPD blues or whatever it is. There have always been these programs and things. So. That idea that there is fatigue in it all, um, I don't think you get fatigue from really good storytelling. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I also don't think you get fatigue from really good creative content as well, which we haven't really talked about. But what's carrying out our little stories of the children telling the problems and the solutions, what's carrying out that, carrying that along, is all the help of major creative artists, so I said 160 around the world, of which 80 would be really well known in the States, and 20 big in India, big in Africa, they're big in Latin America, big in the Middle East, etc. But 80 hundred eighty of those that are big everywhere, half of those musicians, <clears throat> mm-hmm. quarter film stars, one-eighth novelists, one-eighth visual artists. So we're asking the visual art to create, the visual artists to create new art about vulnerable and disadvantaged children that can be used in all parts of the campaign, traditional and new media, and within <clears throat> the global broadcast event itself as well. And it goes on how we use that, that art.
1: So we're talking about the global broadcast event, but we haven't given our listeners okay. <laughs> a clue what the global broadcast event is. Right. So maybe <clears throat> we can talk about that.
0: Okay, so there is a global broadcast event to take place on June the 27th. Um, 2020 so we launched the campaign March the 21st 2020 and 13 week campaign leading up to the global broadcast event and um, the global broadcast event will look slightly different depending on where you're watching it Mm -hmm. because the principle of the way we're running all of this is that 70% of the content for any one country is coming from a central creative pot And then 30% is being added to by that country or that region as well. So when you look at the global broadcast event in India, it has Indian stars in it and Indian performances in it as well. Whereas if you're watching it here in the States, it's primarily the performance part of it all Mm -hmm. is coming from a show that we're putting on three times at the L.A. Coliseum in the days before the global broadcast event.
1: Oh, so it's, okay, three times you're putting it on. And then the last one of the shows will be broadcast.
0: (coughs) No. We pump loads of news out of it. So we Ah. put on the shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And we mix those. We carefully craft those. And on the Thursday, they go into digital cinema. On Friday, they go on radio. And on Saturday night, they're on ABC for three hours. Same sort of time slot as the Grammys and the Oscars. (coughs) As the fundraising broadcast here. And so that broadcast, if you look at the component parts of it, has appeal films that we've shot on location around the world. It has appeal films that we've shot on location in the USA, where we have eight film stars looking at eight projects and eight children in the USA, Mm -hmm. as well as the 36 around the world. It has wonderful performances. Not band after band doing what they usually do in a festival. Mm Mm-hmm. That happens every Saturday night of the summer everywhere in the world. Not their touring show, but bringing together major stars with really wonderful music directors for a week of rehearsals to create new versions of classic songs and to sing them as solos, duets, trios, and quartets. So by a classic song, I might mean something like um, love me tender, mm-hmm. or I might mean something like um, REM's "Everyone Hurts," etc., right. etc. Uh, et Those sorts of classics on that the whole world knows, but we're getting them performed by major vocalists in new combinations and a slightly new arrangement, rehearsed. For weeks beforehand so it's not a it's not can we work it out in the sound check because the Grammys does the day <laughs> right, beforehand. there's going
1: there to be no mistakes going on <laughs> in this one or, no, or no, this is, audio that, errors
0: because what we're saying to the artists is to carry this message as far as you possibly can you've got to create really great stuff not your normal commercial stuff something much better something different and better that really is interesting that will attract the audience in that will want to listen to that and probably want to listen to it again and again and again and again You know.
1: well i'm i'm particularly interested in this component not because it's um the only component by any means but because this sort of harkens back to to these concerts that i don't want to say they were trendy for a while but you used them as a platform but we had live aid and farm aid and the, the ones that you did and They've kind of gone dormant for a while, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, but obviously you think that it's still a viable medium to, to rally people to spread the word to raise funds.
0: Okay, so in the middle 80s, when you, if you look at Live Aid, Live Aid was basically band after band after band after band after band after band doing what they normally do, but it was novel because there was so much. It was almost novel because it had so... It was by weight, you were buying it by weight. <laughs> and so television was happy with it because it was novel. But really, an artist performing for one hour or 45 minutes, an artist, a band, is a really niche audience. It doesn't work for television. Mm-hmm. You have to make something special for television to work. So three years later, by 1988, when I was doing the Nelson Mandela 70th Birthday Tribute, which got a much bigger television audience worldwide because we were attending to Africa and India and China and all these other countries and making sure there's But even by then, what we'd realized is that we must make, half of our show must be from musical sets that we produce. So we put together a wonderful music director. They bring together a backing band that's, um, if you call them a backing band, they all cry. <laughs> <laughs> they're such wonderful session musicians
1: but, no, we but know. the best
0: of the session right. musicians and then rehearsing so that you can quickly combine Duran Duran with Wet 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 with etc you know you could quickly combine And that even then we had I think it was the, the Bee Gees were involved in that year. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you're able to move through these artists very very quickly and what they're performing are songs that are chosen for that show Not their regular touring stuff. So new arrangements, and now, that was in 88. Mm -hmm. As you got into the 90s, television, mainstream network television, turned away from music. Mm -hmm. And what they were turning away from was festivals. Live shows built for a live audience. They were not turning away from when it's really special, when it's really unique, Mm -hmm. where you're actually getting three songs here that are, you want to watch, And they're not turning themselves away from when that is part of a much bigger narrative, narrative told by film stars that have been on location that are introducing children's powerful films that are then interspersed with these really special moments of performance. Not regular stuff. We don't want regular stuff. We want really special moments.
1: (laughs) And we've talked about all kinds of um, partnerships that you have. Um, You're doing this at a time when corporations are starting to really step up their efforts to be involved in bigger um, initiatives, um, taking on more than just CSR campaigns, launching their own taking stances. Um, What's the role of companies and corporations in all of this?
0: So um, we're asking companies to be our marketing partners and perhaps our CSR partners as well. Um, uh, But we're asking them to do it on a sort of territory-by-territory basis because um, we need quick decisions and global decisions Mm -hmm. take too long but but also because the value we can offer an American corporation in our American media coverage is absolutely prime whereas for them the coverage we're getting in France or Germany may be marginal Mm -hmm. things as well so we're we're offering um, partnerships that are on a national basis we're offering partnerships that um Help us run the campaign. So, we're saying, please, will you be a marketing partner? And for whatever you're contributing by in, in dollars for that, we'll deliver as much media back to you 30 second spots, stings, bumpers, etc. A lot of it on network television, a few other media as well. We'll deliver as much back to you so they can use their, their network TV budgets to fund it. But they also get extremely wonderful hospitality and they get the rights to use images, which are really powerful because this is lots and lots and lots of very big stars. There are rules about how they can use the images, of course, but they get rights to use the artist's images. They get content rights as well. So the content we're creating, we want them to push it out as much as we're pushing it out. And they also get the right to propose a children's charity project that benefits by a grant and exposure as well. And that brings us into their... CSR type of operation, so a lot of them may have a project that works already or may wish to have a project that works that they're, sort of, they're getting involved with. So, so we offer them the opportunity to come in on the grant side and, the expo- and therefore that project getting exposure as well, um, but we're giving them a whole set of other rights and benefits that their chief marketing officer would love.
1: Do we already have corporations on board, or can you tell us no, any we of start, your bigger partners?
0: We're in? starting to talk to 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 corporations here in the states already, and we're starting to talk to corporations in India for the Indian part and Africa for the African part as well.
1: Well, this is amazing. I mean, you truly have you, you talk global, and this is about as global as it can get. So uh, <laughs> impressed with your scale and what you are doing, and um, I'm just anxious to watch it unfold. And, and I appreciate all that work
0: yeah it will we will get to 500 million people around the world you have to do it nowadays differently than you did in the in the 90s and the noughties things <laughs> because media has become so fractured right but um and, and therefore you have to work harder in a sense you have to be in lots more places and um, <clears throat> but if you are partnering with the right big media partners a lot of those things come come with it you know if you the broadcast partners it's not as if they are just broadcasting they are also right. streaming they are also right. podcasting they <laughs> will get do, the word out they, have are, no doing, doubt, they yeah. are all doing all of those things Wonderful. as well you know so it it um, well, it's yeah. fascinating
1: it's a whole other animal than when you, when you did this for Nelson Mandela I know in a whole other media world and all so I, um, I appreciate you talking to us about it and uh, we will all watch it unfold and uh, keep progress on it
0: thank you very much thank you Very kind. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.